morning and good day, everyone. You're listening to 3CR. You're listening to Left After Breakfast. Susanna here with you this morning. And we'll be hearing from our usual suspects. So stay tuned. But what I really want to say this morning, listener, what I really want to say is my comment, my opinion on the rioters who have been running around our city. And I will stress again, this is my opinion. It's not that of the radio station. These men who have been running rampaging throughout Melbourne are not protesters. They are not demonstrators. They are rioters. Nothing less than rioters. And I say that they are brown shirts, embryonic brown shirts. You know the brown shirts. They were violent, anti-leftist, anti-democratic thugs formed by Hitler in 1921. You have to really look, listener, at what happened to Germany after the First World War, after that great trade war. The Treaty of Versailles, signed in 1919, formally ending World War I, required that Germany pay financial reparations, disarm, lose territory, and give up all of its overseas colonies. Okay, give up all of its overseas colonies. If only every European country had given up all of its overseas colonies, would have saved us all a great deal of trouble. Lose territory, little bit harsh. Disarm, well, that's understandable. But financial reparations, financial reparations... While the discussions about a treaty after World War I were going on, there was still a large naval blockade against Germany. Nothing could get in, that is, no food could get in. The country was devastated by the war. Look, it's not the ordinary people like you and I, dear listener, that are into these wars. Who was warring in World War I? Big trade companies, not the ordinary farmers and clerks and school teachers. It wasn't them. And they were the ones who bore the brunt of it later. Some of the stuff that went on at that Treaty of Versailles was just, it was just lunacy. Absolute vengeful lunacy. The Miners' Federation of Great Britain issued a statement condemning that blockade, saying that about 200,000 German civilians had at least, at least 200,000 German civilians had died since the armistice. The hundreds of thousands of non-combatants who perished since November the 11th through that blockade They were killed with cold deliberation after victory had been won. Lloyd George demanded everything, every last penny that Germany had. And backing him was Australia's own little Billy Hughes. He said that the tax burden on the Germans should be regarded as necessary. He estimated 35 billion English pounds at that time. So basically, there was Germany, lost after a war with the people who had nothing to do with this war. They were starving, 
They were treated like pariahs. And then, of course, you had, well, what you expect, unrest after World War One. Fertile ground for the later fascists. Which brings me to the brown shirts. Before I explain a little more about the brown shirts, I want to pull in a little bit of music from earlier times from my strange collection that I have at home. Another thing I have at home, listener, is a strange collection of books. I would recommend them to you. For example, I'm sure that you know and you've read All Quiet on the Western Front by Eric Maria Remarque. I'm sure you know that. There's also one of his books called The Road Back, which is really explains very much what Germany was going through at the time, what the German people were going through at the time just after World War One. And there's another book that I have, which is a new one, and it's called Stormtroopers. It's a new history of Hitler's brown shirts by Daniel Seaman. It's excellent, excellent. It's got a lot of violence in it, but of course it deals with violent violent men. But let's take a break with Woody Guthrie. There's a great and a bloody fight round this whole world tonight In the battle the bombs and shrapnel rain Hitler told the world around he would tear our union down But our union's gonna break them slavery chains And our union's gonna break them slavery chains I walked up on a mountain in the middle of the sky Could see every farm and every town I could see all the people in this whole wide world That's a union that'll tear the fascists down, down, down That's a union that'll tear the fascists down When I think of the men and the ships going down While the Russians fight on across the dawn There's London in ruins and Paris in chains Good people, what are we waiting on? Good people, what are we waiting on? So I thank the Soviets and the mighty Chinese vets The allies, the whole wide world around To the battling British thanks You can have ten million yanks If it takes them to tear the fascists down, down, down If it takes them to tear the fascists down But when I think of the ships and the men going down And the Russians fight on across the dawn There's London in ruins and Paris in chains Good people, what are we waiting on? Good people, what are we waiting on? So I thank the Soviets and the mighty Chinese vets The allies the whole wide world around To the battling British thanks You can have ten million yanks If it takes them to tear the fascists down, down, down If it takes them to tear the fascists down Apart from Woody's comments about the valiant Russians I take careful notice of his lines saying The fascists will tear our union down. They'll tear our union down. So we have to tear them down. And that's what fascists will do, listener. They will tear our union down. They will tear everything that we hold precious 
down. And this is what I see rising in Melbourne. And it's very, very serious thing. It's fascism. Now, I don't want to get into an argument with someone who explained, oh, fascism is defined by this, that or the other. I see these thugs on the streets of Melbourne. I see them in Parliament and they will tear our union down. They'll tear everything down. We have to fight back. Uh, good morning. You're listening to 3CR, the only radio left. But the dreaded brown shirts, the Storm Abteilung, they were a group of violent anti-leftist, anti-democratic and anti-Semitic thugs, really. Many of them were former soldiers, upset with the way they'd been treated after World War I. Well, I'm not surprised. And they were mainly lower middle class Germans, working class Germans, lost their jobs, lost everything due to the dreadful economic problems that Germany suffered at that time. And being a brown shirt gave them something to be part of and something to be proud of. They started off smashing up various shops and things, running riot in the street, engaging in street fights with their political enemies. They ended up practicing pseudo-military exercises, and overall, they terrorized Germany. They ended up being the stormtroopers, which is what their name means, the Sturmabteilung, also known as the brown shirts because of what they wore, sort of like high-vis, I suppose. And they were the ones who really pushed Hitler into power. And this is what we have to watch out for, listener. Have a look what happened in USA. Have a look what's still happening there. And you can think, oh, God, what a place. Thank God I don't live there. But this is happening here in Melbourne right now, and we have to be aware of it. I give warnings like this to my grandchildren and I see them roll their eyes and I know they're thinking, oh, there she goes again. Nana Susanna sees evil seeping out from under the woodwork. She sees it everywhere. Well, yes, I do, because what we have, listener, everything that we have today, it wasn't handed to us on a plate. We've had to work for it, we've had to fight for it and we can't allow a bunch of vicious thugs modern-day brown shirts to come in here and just wreck everything that we have won. Oh, I'll have to listen to a little bit more of Woody Guthrie to calm myself down. Put it there, boy, we'll show these fascists what a couple of hillbillies can do.
yep, you fascists are bound to lose and we are going to make them lose, listener. Now, the warning about the brown shirts is also aimed at those people that I know from the what was called the counterculture, you know, people of my acquaintanceship, former hippies, well, they're still hippies, people who actually sought to cultivate a good society, but these people are now, alas, actively threatening the lives of others. It's those damnable conspiracy theories, crazed conspiracy theories, What's happened to the brain cells of people? Is there something in the water? This lasting delusion about children trapped in tunnels. That's how we got Aussie Q, it seems. And now everything else. I mean, now it's just a six-month pipeline from that to Australians who who, who live in this alternate uh, American fantasy land where they post about Donald Trump all the time. So its ability to via Save the Children stuff to get a whole range of different political persuasions in is what I found fascinating, you know. I talk a lot in the Aussie Q videos about how your auntie, she might not be that far right wing now but she might be quite left she might just be a spiritual hippie type but there's this broad appeal to things like save the children and great awakenings there's almost a hippie-like quality to it particularly when you tone down the whole MAGA element of, of traditional Q and it's getting people in there but Q is not just a conspiracy theory is it it is this conspiracy theory that is meant to drag you right after a few months so your auntie's gonna be talking about make Australia great again in six months if she isn't right now listening to Radical Radio 3CR. It's up to you, listener, if you have friends who have fallen for these fantastical, magical, up-in-the-clouds conspiracy theories. You have to tell them the truth. You have to tell them that it's the right wing behind it, that it's the brown shirts behind it, that nothing good will come of it. You've got to speak to them. You've got to explain how misled your friends have been. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital and on the internet, www.3cr.org.au. 3CR While I was ratting through my very old collection of music, some of it from on top of the wardrobe and some of it from the deep, dim, cobwebby recesses of an old computer, I came across this little beauty, but it's called Ain't Done Nothing If You Ain't Been Called a Red. is all commies. Tell me, kid, are you a red? Well, I didn't know just what he meant. My hair back then was brown. Our house was plain red brick like most others in the town. So I went and asked my mama why our neighbor called me red. 
My mommy took me on her knee and this is what she said. Well, you ain't done nothing if you ain't been called a red. If you march or agitated, that's So you might as well ignore it or love the word instead. Cause you ain't been doing nothing if you ain't been called a red. When I was grown up, had my troubles, I suppose, when someone took exception to my face or to my clothes, or tried to cheat me on a job or hit me on the head, when I organized a fight, that's why the stinkers called me red. But you ain't done nothing if you ain't been called a red. If you marched or agitated, then you're bound to hear it said. So you might as well ignore it or love the words instead. Cause you ain't been doing nothing if you ain't been called a red. When I was living on my own apartment that I had, had a lousy, rotten landlord, let me tell you, he was bad. But when he tried to throw me out, I rubbed my hands and said, You haven't seen a struggle if you haven't fought a red. And you ain't done nothing if you ain't been called a red. If you march or agitated, then you're bound to hear it said. So you might as well ignore it or love the words instead. Cause you ain't been doing nothing if you ain't been called a red. Well, I kept on agitating. Cause what else can you do? You're gonna let the sons of bitches walk all over you. My friend said, you'll get fired hanging with that commie mob. I should be so lucky, buddy. I ain't got a job. And you ain't done nothing if you ain't been called a If you march or agitate and you're bound to hear it said. So you might as well ignore it or love the words instead. Cause you ain't been doing nothing if you ain't been agitating now for 50 years and more for jobs for equality and always against war i'll keep on agitating as far as i can see and if that's what being red is well it's good enough for me cause you ain't done nothing if you ain't been called red if you march tragedy That was Faith Petrick, a remarkable woman from USA. She died, I think, about 2003, and she would have been well into her 90s at that time. And I got that recording in about 1983 or 1984 from Radio Northern Beaches, community radio station up Manly Warringah Way. It's amazing what you can find on top of your wardrobe sometimes if you really look and something else that is as classic as from the top of your wardrobe. And that's the BL from the bush. G'day comrade, g'day listener. It's the BL from the bush calling in. And you're all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, all jabbed up, all vaccinated, ready to get, on, get your skates on and uh, get out there and do our best to get rid of this, um, as I keep calling it and always will call it, this cruel, heartless, vindictive, see a struggling head kick it 
coal election government. I've seen a few come and go, but I this is and, and it's what Susanna said last week is rightly so. This this is the bastard child of Howard. This is you know, this is offspring of the Howard government and they've just tried to get one step forward, one step better, to do one one or two things better. Well, they're doing it ten, twenty times better. They just they just have got no compassion. They have got no consideration of how people are struggling. Given given what's in front of them, given what they are looking at every single day, they just do not get it. They can't see past their own their own donors, their own own people with wealth. They cannot get it through their head that people are doing it really hard out there. And I think uh, listener, what what may happen? I just hope it does, and I think this is where we come into this: is to just remind people that a lot of people that are doing it hard out there are your, your so-called base for your liberal party. They're copping in the neck as well. So what we need to do here is remind them, just remind them what situations they're in, and why they're in it, and why this pandemic or why the why the aftermath of, of the pandemic, meaning the shutdowns and, and have gone on for so long. And it's due to this inept government, this slow to act, it's all right, you know, I'm in control here, government with, as I said before, with no compassion, with, with, with nothing to do with people that are really struggling. And we all know someone, if not ourselves, that are doing it hard. Just time and time again, it just keeps going and going that they kick and kick people in receipt of social security entitlements. And they just add them and add them. If it's not hard enough out there now, they just want to just want to really make it make a point of how tough that they are on the so-called welfare bludges, as they like to call them. Well, as I say again, listener, it's up to us to to organise ourselves out there and uh, let's help get rid of these mungs. That's enough on that. And I just wanted to say, Susan, um, well done. I heard the bag man has been, he's been let out or you've run him to ground, which is good. So what does that mean? Is he on day release or is he on parole or is he under supervised conditions? It's, you know, he's in and out. He's sort of all over the place. So... Anyway, it was good to hear him. It was good good that he was um, back out there and uh, what you, you and uh, the bad man had to say last last week about some of these uh, demonstrators, protesters, so-called unionists out there. I, uh, I've sort of come to the conclusion along the line that a lot of them, if they are unionists or if they are um, financial members of the union, their their attitude to everything around them is is just again as I said before uh, last week it's just selfishness they don't care and I think that the reason they don't care is that they've got for some reason they've got this thing in their head that that uh, you know anti uh, to be vaccinated is uh, you know because they've been reading this shit on the on the internet and and wherever that you know this well what we're putting in my body is not you know it's it's, it's all it's all lies it's all conspiracy theorists we're all going to have Kids with three heads and four heads and bloody all this listen to bloody interstellar bloody talk and, and what have you know it's just a whole heap of crap. But getting back to how these people think or more the point don't think. 
they're against mandatory vaccination. What's mandatory? Every day they work onto a building site or an organised or a unionised building site, they're walking, walking into and working under mandatory rules, as in, as soon as you walk onto a job, onto a building site, if you don't have your hard hat on, if you don't have your work boots, your steel cap boots on, if you don't have your safety glasses on, if you don't have proper ear protection on, you're going to get a tap on the shoulder from the OH&S or the boss or someone's going to tell you, listen, mate, put them on, otherwise get on your bike, get your skates on and get out of here. Every day of the week that goes on. So what's the difference here? Just just have a bit of a think about what, what you think is mandatory and what you think is not. The whole thing, again, is that, you know, this is for, it's for the your protection. It's also for your fellow workers' protection, as is the vaccination, as in to be able to go to work and look be look after yourself and also your work you know, your fellow workers on the job that's that's what's paramount here the whole thing is that uh, I'm pretty sure of this unless things have changed but i uh, a few years ago is that uh, i was um on a safety um, safety team and uh, we all had to be vaccinated against uh, hepatitis b because of we were uh, search and rescue or rescue on the job, and um, that was part of the deal. Now, no one jumped up and down about it then, and, you know, like a um, couple of us got a bit crook and had to go back and redo it again, but still, still did it, and we're, I'm around here to, to talk about it. So all your first aiders on the job, I think, today would have to have uh, hepatitis B uh, vaccinations or injections or whatever, to keep themselves and also you safe on the job. So, you know, the, the, the more you look into this, the more you look into the, what's mandatory and what's not and what's good enough for you and your workmate or your work or your fellow workers, you know, come on, just stop being selfish, stop reading shit and get, get onto the program. Think about really what it's all about. And, you know, it, my, own, my own view of this is that, is that a lot of people... I looking in that crowd the other day, some, you know, supposedly unionist and, and, and whatever, might have had the colours on, might have had the, some letters and stuff on their thing. You know, they could pick up those jumpers or, or whatever from anywhere. But the thing is that when when you have have fought over the years, as, as I have and a lot of others and, and, and before before me, when you've had to fight, when you've lost time, when you've lost money, when you've lost jobs over fighting for conditions, you understand it. You know what it's all about. And I don't think that three quarters of this mob wouldn't have a clue. They don't know. They've walked into an industry that everything was there given to them through earlier days of struggle. And I tell you, they were struggles. Is the bag man and, and you, Susanna, would know because I'm I'm sure I've seen you at a lot of those demos over the years and, and we we did it pretty tough back then. Don't, don't worry about that. But we appreciated everything we fought for. Not walk into somewhere where you're walking home with $1,500 in your pocket every week and haven't done a bloody uh, 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 thing for it. There it is. Walking into a, into, into, into smoke oak rooms and whatever looked like a bloody something out of Harvey Norman. Well... You know, that all that come at a cost. All that come at a cost to someone. The boss just didn't walk onto a building site one day and take a look at and look around and have a look at the heads and say, geez, I like the look of your you blokes' heads. Here you go. Have, 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 have some nice fridges and have have some nice microwaves and all the rest of it. Because just I like the look of you. 
Well, you know, I'm here to tell you that that didn't happen. And everything that you walk into on a building site today came at a cost. And back then, none of us whinged much. You know, there was, you know, that it was on. You just got on and you did it, and you fought for it, and you appreciated it because you could say to the next generation or the next younger people coming in, "Have a look at that, boys," and be able to tell them where it come from and how they got it. You know, it just makes me so wild that that when I sit back and look at what's been going on the last few days, and half those people, even if, if they even if they are card carrying unionists. Uh, just selfish to the back teeth because it's all given to them. They had the problem here is, and it always has been. If you don't get out there and do it yourself and do it hard to get something, you just take it for granted. And I think that's exactly what half this thing is. Or oh, I can pick and choose what I do. It, it's about time that you really, um, you know, you really gotta have a real, real long hard look at yourself. Yeah, and. and yeah, again, I, I get back to this so-called trashing of the CMFFU officers or trying to. You know, that's the, the, the union own that, the membership owns that. And again, if these people knew what it cost, not so much to get that building, price-wise it would have cost, but where that money come from, it was coming, coming from the old old assets of the Builders Labourers Federation in their buildings and their in the meeting hall, Harry Denner meeting hall. Now, I can remember as a young bloke coming up from the bush to the city on a job and, this, and one of the boys said to me, oh, there's a meeting on tonight, you coming along? I said, yeah, yeah, I'll come along. Walked into Harry Denner hall and I was just amazed that the working class, the, 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 the labourer, the, 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 the ditch digger, the, the low, supposedly the lowest the low could have something like that to sit down and have a meeting, discuss what was going on. It was just pride. You felt so much pride that you were involved in, in having something like that. Again, I throw back to what happened the other day. Half those people wouldn't even know what, what it was to have a, what it was to have meeting halls or without it whether you were standing in the street and in the rain and, and having meetings. Got no idea, and that's that's half the problem, where people just take everything for granted. That's where this selfish attitude comes from. They expect everything uh, all the time. You know, when, when, when you see that people treating uh, their own property like that, it just tells me one thing, that they've done nothing, done nothing at all to be able to have that. And that's why they just treat it with so much disdain. Like, I, it's what I think of them, we treat them. You know, uh, comrades and listeners, um, well, as usual, we'll get through all this and we'll get over it. But, I mean, people have uh, just got to realise that things that we take for granted have come at a cost. The more people are told about how they got what they're enjoying today, the better. Anyway, I'm not real sure if uh, that's probably me for the day, I think. Um, no, nah, that'll probably do me. I think I'll, uh, I'll leave it for um, the bag man and Susanna to, to entertain you for the rest of the day. So this is the BL from the bush signing off the old same old way. Dare to struggle, dare to win. If you don't fight, you lose. Good morning from Left After Breakfast, the only show left. <laughs> Thank you.
my pride and bust my face Scatter my rights all over the place And take the bread from off my plate But you can't break me Lock me out, chain the gates Put black shirts in with dogs and mace I'll hold the line, won't step away Cause you can't break me I belong, you belong, we belong to the union Don't count me out when I'm on the floor We'll win again, we've won before The streets will ring with a mighty roar Cause you can't break me Stocks rise up on workers' backs Profits soar while you hand out the sack Boardroom bullies bloated and fat But you can't break me Australia's sold to mates offshore Backroom deals and shonky law This day has come, we say no more You can't break me I belong, you belong, we belong to the union I belong, you belong, we belong to the union morning, Bagman. Ah, good morning, Susan, and good morning to all your listeners. Now, you find me today cool, calm, and collected uh, because I'm not going to worry anymore. We've passed certain uh, guidelines as far as the coronavirus is concerned. It's only going to be so long before we're absolutely free and we can travel and we can uh, go to restaurants, hotels and whatever without worrying about the anti-vax people. That'll be good. That will be good, Susan. And maybe we've been a bit critical about them recently. But um, now, following the riots um, last week outside the CFMEU office, it's now been confirmed that the president of the CFMEU has caught COVID. Um, the secretary of the CFMEU uh, is having to isolate. And Luke Halakari from the Trade Hall Council is also um, uh, isolating simply because of that group of writers who came to the office last week of the CFMEU and destroyed union property obviously passed on COVID-19 to the people who were there. 
I hope they've passed it around amongst themselves. Well, I'm pretty sure that they would have, Susan, and that's the thing that we tried to um, emphasise last week, that those men will go home and they will inflict this virus on their family. Now, their family did not ask for it. Their family or the family shouldn't be subjected to a virus that's going to make them sick, passed on by their the, their own people, their own family, who don't believe in vaccination. Now, one of the real things that concerns me, Susan, and really concerns me, is that in that crowd last week of people who were destroying the union property, there was... Uh, people who were taking methamphetamine. There was a, a crime syndicate family, Middle Eastern city syndicate family, who were passing around methamphetamine and selling it. And also the Eustachi from the anti-Pavlik uh, community in Footscray were also involved. That's a real concern to me. A uh, bad man. Yes. Are you shaking a tambourine? No, I was probably just uh, moving my head from uh, side to side and it's my mother's wooden teeth um, that are probably jingling. Something's jingling very loudly. I wonder if people can hear what you're saying. Uh, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure, Susan, uh, that that's why you earned the nickname Snipper from uh, John Cummins all those years ago that you can obviously cut out all that stuff and whatever. So there you go. Yeah, but I can't cut out a tambourine rattling when you're talking. I don't have a tambourine, Susan. It's one of the things that I'm very disappointed in my family and I've got 10 grandchildren and two great-grandchildren is that none of them ever learnt to play the tambourine. Oh. It will be a source of embarrassment for me for many, many years. Oh, well, I'll have to ask the listener just to bear with that and uh, say maybe it's the uh, chains on his glasses. Mm, or it might have been the train going past, uh, which is very close to my house. But listen, Bagman, you said something that really struck a chill right into my heart then. You mentioned, mm. you said Eustachi. Yes, the Eustachi from the Ante Pavlik um, Club in Footscray were involved uh, in that uh, demonstration. I won't give the names of those people, um, but I know that they worked for a company called IND Framework, uh, and they were there in their in their numbers during that destruction of the union property. But what concerns me just as much, Susan, and I have the footage of the men who are up the back lane uh, by the CFMU sniffing methamphetamine, and you wonder what gave them the strength uh, to carry on like yobos, like they were. I haven't heard of the Eustachy for many years. Not well, I, yeah, sorry. I remember when they were running around setting off bombs. 
<laughs> that's back in the old days, Susan. They don't yeah, do that, that anymore. They don't do. I'm sure they don't do that anymore. No. But I know that they did back in the old days, and not so long ago, maybe that's, thirty yeah. years ago, forty years ago. Actually, Susan, when I was in uh, Croatia in uh, about 1991, maybe 1990, 1991, um, I interviewed the head of this Eustacia, um, uh, a bloke called uh, by the name of Paragar, and I found him very, very strange. Now, if you look at the Eustacia, you're talking about the neo-Nazis of the Croatian community. Yes, I remember them well. Mm. But, but mm. I suppose these ones are their um, children or even their grandchildren. Well, I should imagine they are. They still carry on with the same ideology um, that's been handed down to them. Anyway, some good news, Susan, and we're not going to get tied up with the anti-vaxxers and we're not going to get grey hair and we're not going to get ulcers and whatever. An aged care receptionist who refused to be vaccinated was sacked by her employer. She took that case to the Fair Work Commission. Now, the Fair Work Commission, in a majority decision, refused to have her reinstated because they simply said she brought nothing to the Fair Work Commission that would establish that she would be in any danger whatsoever if she was to have uh, a vaccination. But what concerns me, and, you know, we talk about uh, Sophie Mirabella. Um, oh, please, please. <laughs> I'm, I'm having a cup of tea. Don't upset me. But, but in a majority minority decision, President Linda Dean from the Fair Work Commission said... Uh, COVID-19 had moved into the realm of deprivation. Now, this is this is from a Fair Work Commissioner who's supposed to be non-biased, non-confrontational, but she said, all Australians should vigorously oppose the introduction of a system of medical apartheid and segregation in Australia. Now, that's the sort of language that emanates from the mouths of the radical COVID anti-vaxxers. And uh, Labor, uh, Tony Burke from the Labor Party said he was shocked at the language used by the Deputy President. Now, I'm not going to say any more about uh, her decision. It was in the minority, um, and it should stay in the minority, but the person who was sacked is now going to take the case to the federal court. Well, all I can say to her is good luck. And all I can say to her is stay away from anyone I know in an aged care facility. If you look at it properly, Susan, we've been double-vaxxed. You have been, I have been. Maybe if we catch COVID-19, if we're unlucky enough, we may die because I'm medically compromised. So there's a chance that I might die. So I'm going to stay 100 miles away from anybody that refuses to be um, uh, vaccinated in the current circumstances. Look, there are people who are 
waiting to get vaccinated. They can't get the vaccine. They're well, desperate for it. And that's what we have to take into account, Susan, that there is something like 20 million people that have received either the first dose or the second dose. And there is something like 67% of young people who have uh, taken the time, uh, been more than concerned about uh, not catching COVID, and have gone and got uh, the uh, the vaccine. That's it. We've got to look at the positive on this thing. 20 million people have gone to get uh, that vaccine have gone out of their way to wait in line to get the vaccine and we should not be worried about the minority of anti-vaxxers because their time is coming. Their time is coming. When we're free, uh, they will not be allowed into restaurants, uh, hotels, sporting events. The only thing that concerns me, Susan, is that, the and we mentioned it last week, those people that are up at the front of the house in a restaurant or a hotel who refuse to let non-vaccinated people into their establishment because they're following the law, I think they'll be in great danger of being assaulted or even more seriously hurt. Hey, you see that the revolution's begun. Has it? Oh, yes. Yeah. It started yesterday. Um, apparently, six trucks drove slowly, slowly along the Tullmarine Freeway, causing absolutely no convenience, inconvenience to anybody. Now, my father used to say to me many, many years ago, and I've said this before on this program, the revolution is just around the corner, son. If that's the best, the the anti-lockdown mob can do, it must be a, excuse the language here, a fucking long corner. Almost sad. I was just remembering a time, oh, my gosh, how your memory goes, of some trucks driving uh, down Pump Road, weren't they? Oh. Transport Workers Union action. Well, uh, actually, there was about 96 cement trucks surrounded the uh, the office of Pioneer Concrete, I think, and it was Turak Road. Turak uh, Road. But, but they were the days when people protested for a good reason. It was for better wages, better conditions, more safety and whatever, uh, not the rabble that now uh, front up and piss on the, uh, the Shrine of Remembrance and throw bottles and bags of urine at uh, journalists, um, as happened to Paul Dowsley last week. That's just a weak week. And, and kick dogs. I hear apparently someone kicked the dog. And now I know the name of the person who kicked the dog. So we will keep, yes, we will keep it to ourselves at the moment. But he has already been mentioned. In this program, just before, um, where he comes from. Not his name, but where he comes from. Yeah, kicking your dog. Well, if you can can spit on journalists, if you can throw bags of urine at them, 
uh, if you can hit them on the head with uh, beer cans and you can assault them, I suppose that kicking a dog is not all that bad. While you're waving around your Trump placard. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that really is, you know, that, that's got to make you worry. Uh, men, grown men, supposedly sensible men who are waving Trump flags uh, during the protest last week. And what are we talking about? What are we talking about, America? You know, the vaccination, COVID deaths in America. Guess how many there's been? Um, I don't know. Well, have a guess. Have a ballpark figure. Well, I don't know how many people live in USA anyway. Oh, gosh. There's heaps of them. Yeah, heaps of them. Um, heaps of them. Heaps of them. There's a lot of them. And they're not all bad, Susan. They're not all bad. A lot of them are dumb, but they're not all bad. Well, let me tell you that 706,000 317 dead people can't be wrong. Now, they're the people that refused to take the vaccine. They're the people that weren't given the vaccine in time. They're the people who don't believe in the vaccine. And 706,317 people are now dead in America. That's a lot of people. That sure is a lot of people. And take into account, Susan, we've just been sold out uh, by the federal government and by the New South Wales government uh, who have decided to open up restaurants, hotels and whatever without any compunction about how many people will die. We're going to open up here also, but rest assured there's going to be many, many people who will die from this virus simply because we want to cry freedom. You know, the politicians, the business people, um, those people that are crying freedom, they will be responsible for every COVID death once we open up. Well, if everything works the way it should, those people would be the ones who go down with COVID and die. And I won't cry. Oh no, but they'll be a they will be a burden on the already hard working nurses, doctors, paramedics who are working flat out. You know, an insult to frontline workers were those rioters last week to piss on uh, the uh, the shrine of remembrance. Um, a, an insult to every one of those hard working. Uh, frontline troops uh, who are working their guts out. Yes, yes it is, yes it is. Soon we are going to open and we're going to join with our families once again and go picnic in the park and whatever <laughs> without worrying about these yobbos, drunken yobbos. Ah, oh, dear Bagman, and something else we have to worry about. Election in November, I reckon. I, I tell you what, um, I'm about to make an Australian's prediction soon and you won't like it. But I've been studying um, the politics of the Labor Party 
and the Liberal Party or the Coalition. Geez, they've got some whackers in amongst them, haven't they? Have they oh, what? Jesus. Um, uh, Canavan and Barnaby Joyce and oh. George Christensen and oh. all those people. But I'm going to give you an Australianist prediction fairly soon before the election comes and you may not like it. What is it? What is it? No, I'm not going to tell you now. Oh, I, I am going to study the politics a bit more and wait till we come a bit closer uh, to the election um, and you won't like it. Because, you know, Morrison's been tr- trotting out on world stage at the moment. He's, um, over, he's over there talking to Rupert Murdoch, getting his instructions. Well, I did say they had lunch with Rupert Murdoch, but uh, Rupert had... Um, the, the intestinal fortitude not to show up and the common sense not to show up and be seen with Scott Morrison. Even that, even he's got limits. Oh, <laughs> so I'm not too sure of the time, Susan, because I can't see the town hall clock because I'm not in my treehouse anymore. But uh, right. I will be guided by you as to where... We are about to finish the program or not. And I was about to say that maybe we should be winding up now. Or maybe we should go out the same old way. Why not? Dare to travel. Dare to win. If you don't fight. You lose. Good morning from Left After Breakfast. Well, thanks for coming along this morning, listener. Thanks for the ride. And we'll see you next program. Same time, same place.